This week on the Don and Don Show, the Out of the Box Draft covers the best sports songs. Q&A covers the Lions on Hard Knocks and if teams are better without their star players. The guys conclude their MLB preview with a look at the National League. And this week in sports covers the changes to the overtime rules in the NFL, as well as picks for the men's and women's Final Four. to another episode of the Dylan and Dylan show excited to be back with you for another exciting episode of the show here Dylan Jesperson here the April Fool's edition of the show coming out on Friday April 1st joined as always by my main man Dylan Holt Dylan how are you doing today I'm doing fantastic and this is not an April Fool's joke it's flu game part two for Dylan Holt I woke up with allergies from you know where they have Put me in a chokehold. I almost put a tweet out before the show, uh, a verbal meme, if you will. Khabib choking Conor McGregor. Khabib was going to be my allergies. I'm Conor McGregor. The allergies are choking me out. It, it's it's not fun, but hey, we're going to power through it. It's going to be all right. I'm really excited for a fun show. Uh, you might, if you're watching this, you might be like, Dylan, why are you wearing sunglasses? Well, simply, I, I, I said this, I think it was before the Titans playoff game. I said, I'm going to bring out the shades when good things are happening. And guess what? I took the dub in the first round table. Things couldn't be going better. One and oh, the second round table is out now. The, uh, they talked about the final four and check that out on the Tunnel Vision Sports uh, YouTube channel. Uh, you can see previews on the Instagram and I think you can uh, see it on the website, too. Uh, so check that out. They did a great job. Uh, but yeah, I, I took the dub. Had to had to get my bragging rights here as well as on the Instagram and the YouTube and everything else. Yeah, I think I, I I don't think I got a single vote in the first round table, and that probably is due to the fact that I took the Cowboys as my team to win the Super Bowl next year. I was really, and I when I listened back to it, that was my only bad take, but it's such a bad take because I was literally put on like my third team and I didn't have a third team ready to go, so it was just like oh the Cowboys, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I'm excited to be here as well. Uh, I've been covering a lot more prep sports in my new role, so it's always nice to sit down and talk about the wider world of sports so uh it's not even work at this point because i'm able to sit down with dylan here and do our show have some fun have some fun conversations uh with that being said it's time for the out of the box draft and with the end of the ncaa tournament drawing near and nearer the return of one shining moment is upon us and that is the inspiration for the theme of our draft today the best sports songs draft it's a very wide pool to pick from because uh, dylan and i and even the people at home might have different reasons or different you know thinking behind which songs are good or iconic or whatever it may be or why we picked it. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what direction we are going to go with this. Uh, do you have a coin? Or you want me to do the coin again? I, I don't have the coin. I have an app, but I think the, the in-person coin is definitely the best call. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to have to get a coin. Again. I got a bag. Of, I got, since I'm in an apartment building now, I have laundry to do and we have coin operated. So I've got coins here. This is just a standard American coin though, with the Eagle there we go. back. You want the you want heads, obviously. Heads, yeah. Yeah, it is a tails. That is an eagle. Oh. 
I'm gonna take fails the second. I'm gonna take the second and third picks. I was I was slating oh. up to do that anyway. So you can have the first pick. Oh, okay. Um, with my first pick, I am gonna pick a song that in 2020, 20, that's when COVID was the thing. 2020 was the number one song of my Spotify Wrapped. I'm talking about Sirius, the Chicago Bulls theme song, the Alan Parsons Project. I love this song so much. And I think it's because growing up, I would hear it and they would just play it. Like it was just a huge thing in pop culture, like whether it be Space Jam or whatever. That was a song that was played and it just made you think of sports, made you think of basketball. It always came up in that kind of scenario. And obviously it's the song that was used by the Bulls dynasty with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, all of them as their introduction song. And it just really sets the tempo and gets you pumped up. It's I love throwing it on. If I'm playing like 2K and I, I really want to get in the mood for some basketball, just throw on the Alan Parsons Project. Oh, my goodness. Gets the blood flowing. I could only imagine being in the United Center in Chicago and they play that. Ooh, the goosebumps. I It would just be out of this world. And, of course, it's not the same as, like, starting at shooting guard from North Carolina, Michael Jordan. You're not going to hear that. You're going to hear, like, from UCLA, Lonzo Ball. That's quite a difference. But it's still really, really cool. Uh, it just gets me going. And I, I think it's a song that's a really good song, but its connection with sports makes it better. And that's why it's my first pick. I love it so, so much. I'm glad to have it with my first pick. Throw it to you for your first two picks. Yep, I, definitely an iconic song. I didn't have it written down, but I remember that song triggers a memory of 2K11. If anyone remembers playing NBA 2K11, I unwrapped it on Christmas Day, and you pop it in, and the first thing that comes up is one of the first Jordan moments that you get to play, and that song is playing, and they've got the big drapes over from coming down from the scoreboard, and it's you literally felt like you were in... 1994 or whatever the moment was and you were about to watch michael jordan go play it was it it sets it you're right it's a very good song very good pick uh with my first pick i'm going with what i think is the number one overall selection i think seven nation army is the greatest sports song of all time because no matter what sporting event you're at uh, if you start playing Seven Nation Army, everyone's doing the oh, 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 oh. It's so infectious. It's so perfect. The White Stripes, uh, originally a Detroit band, uh, are probably living solely off of those royalties now because I don't know anything else by the White Stripes. Uh, and I think the real kicker is if you play Seven Nation Army outside of a of a stadium, it's still acceptable, but it feels weird. You're like, I don't feel like this is the right setting for this. And it's because it should be blaring over the loudspeakers at a stadium and everyone doing the chance. So I think that's like, it, it, it gets you in the mood, no matter where you're at, no matter what sporting event, no matter what team you, you should, uh, root for, you have had a moment doing the Seven Nation Army chant that you remember. So I think everyone has to agree with that one. Happy to have it. For my number two pick, I'm going a little bit of a different route. I'm going basketball by Little Bow Wow. And that is when I when you suggested this theme, this is one of the first songs that came into my head. And I know it doesn't fit into the, the best pump up songs or the best stadium jams, but it's one of the best sports songs of all time. And it the original basketball song was good enough when you add in the Little Bow Wow rap parts and the, the little the like Mike scenes to it, the, the whole theme of of the of the basketball song uh i mean they just don't make songs like that for movies anymore and maybe it's because there aren't eight-year-old rappers like little bow wow and little romeo anymore but it's certainly i think one of the most iconic sports songs for our generation when you think of like what 
is a sports song, Basketball by Little Bow Wow. It, it came up first for me, so I had to have it on my list. I'm happy to have it join Seven Nation Army. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. I kid you not, I have probably 27 songs written down. Basketball somehow wasn't on there. And basketball is like on the main playlist I listen to like all the time. And somehow I just didn't think about basketball. That I love that pick so much. I love both your picks. Seven Nation Army, obviously. That's yeah, that that's like um Andrew Luck. If this was like the NFL draft, that's like the shirt shoe and like, yeah, that's an awesome pick. But basketball, I didn't even think about it. And I should have. Cause like like you mentioned 2K. Basketball was on one of those like 2K10s, 2K11s on the opening scene. And like it's Michael Jordan walking in the ring. It's like basketball and it goes into it. It's just so iconic. I love that song. Like Mike, obviously, it brings so much uh nostalgia to the brain. Oh, awesome song. Um with my next pick, I gotta go biased. I, it's just who I am. When I think of sports, I think of songs, I put it together. They, it makes this great combination. I gotta go back. And I, I talked about nostalgia with the basketball song. I'm going back to 2009, my first trip to Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, not my first trip to Knoxville. My first trip to Neyland Stadium to see a Tennessee football game. They're playing Georgia. Uh, Jonathan Crompton playing quarterback. Like I didn't know who that was. Lane Kiffin on the sideline. I knew one player, Eric Berry. Eric Berry was a stud. Eric Berry made a difference. Eric Berry led to Tennessee scoring a lot of touchdowns. Tennessee plays a song after touchdowns. Rocky Top. By the Osborne brothers. Obviously, it's the pride of the Southland band playing it when it's in uh, Neyland Stadium. If you go to a Tennessee football game and it's a half-decent performance by Tennessee, you're going to know every word to Rocky Top by the time you leave because it's 100,000 people singing that song, that bluegrass song that you think anyone born after, like, 1920 would hate. But it's just so infectious. All these people just coming together to sing a song and just pure euphoria and joy as they're just – really crappy football team did something good. It's just something incredible. Um, I've got to, uh, to be really lucky and go to UT games with my friends and they like all know Rocky top now. And I'm like, this is incredible. I love this. These guys aren't even Tennessee fans and they've just picked up on the words. It's just, as far as like college sports songs, I think it's at the top. Obviously I'm biased. I'm super biased. I know a lot of people hate Rocky top, but when it comes to Tennessee and being a Tennessee fan, Rocky Top, it's just like I talked about basketball being on my playlist. I have a playlist all to its own that I play on Saturdays in the fall called a Tennessee Saturday. And it's like 12 Rocky Tops on loop. And I just play that during games and like before the game. It's I love Rocky Top so much. Uh, it's just it brings so much joy to my heart when I get to hear it, especially during a football game uh, for my third pick. I'm going again to a song I heard a long time ago, but it's a song that I continue to listen to. And I really don't listen to it in the context of sports. It's just a song connected to sports. I'm going Little Wayne's Kobe Bryant. And that's a song that was off a mixtape originally. And obviously as time went on, it got released uh, more widely as events happened. Uh, But I remember uh, my friend in middle school, he was like, you got to go on YouTube. You got to look up Kobe Bryant by Little Wayne. And I was like, I, I like Lil Wayne. I like Kobe Bryant. And I remember hitting play and my ears were just blessed with just greatness by Lil Wayne, just going crazy. And obviously anyone that grew up in our era, Lil Wayne is like the cream of the crop when it comes to the rap game. And hearing him rap about Kobe Bryant and his career to that point was just incredible. It's a song that I've had on every like 
preparing for a like game, like whether it's baseball, football, whatever, Kobe Bryant, that song was on there. I listen to it now and I'm like, just want to watch a game. I'm like, yeah, let's throw on Kobe Bryant. I want to get pumped up. Uh, I wish it was a song that I feel like it's a song that if you know about it, you love it, but it's not super widely known, which, which sucks because it's an awesome song. And I think it's one of Little Wayne's better songs, but obviously that's biased in, in my part. And it has a special meaning now with uh, uh, Kobe's tragic passing. Every time I, it comes on shuffle, I'm like, hey, Kobe time. And I always brings a smile to my face. Absolutely love Kobe by Little Wayne, joining Rocky Top and the Alan Parsons Project. I'll throw it to you for your last two picks. I love both of those picks. Uh, obviously, Rocky Top not in my repertoire of what I'm going to be picking, but I, I love the bias pick. And then Kobe, I mean, that's that's a great song. I had one time back when I was playing freshman basketball, we needed to make a warm-up tape. And I w- tried to use my little creative editing skills back that I had in the day. It wasn't very good because I, like, ripped some songs off of YouTube and stuff like that. But I used Kobe Bryant as, like, the bass. It was, like that was playing and then it would switch to another song and then it would switch back to Kobe and then it would switch to another song. But like Kobe Bryant was playing throughout and then like the, it ended with the last like verse of Lil Wayne's because I think it's a great basketball song. It's, it, it kind of has a little bit of everything. If you use it as like a warm up song, it is a bit corny because it's a bit like too on the nose, but it's like, it's still great. I, I know what you're going and it's, it's perfect for this category. So love the picks. Uh, my two last two picks, they're both biased picks. I wanted to get them back in, uh, back to back here. Uh, first is Mr. Brightside by the killers only applicable to Michigan football fans because it's been sort of the anthem for the school for like three years now. People have caught on to it because this year they, they were a lot better. They won the big 10 championship, uh, beat Ohio state. There's clips of all of the fans singing along to it when they rush the field and at the big 10 title game. And those, you know, have special places in my hearts, but I also think it's signified a, a shift, not just in the demographics at Michigan Stadium, but in sports stadiums in general. Because when I was growing up, when we were going to games, the songs that were most popular to fans were like songs that I didn't have a connection to because they were way too old. Like Sweet Caroline is a big one because I, I didn't listen to Sweet Caroline at parties and stuff like that so it didn't have the same connection even though it was kind of fun to sing along to it wasn't the same as when i saw my parents when sweet caroline came on but now those songs don't have the same feel in stadiums that they do and it's songs that just have weird connections to our generation now like mr brightside and the killers that just kind of become their own thing and i think that's really cool i think it's you know obviously mr brightside isn't just like purely our age group song but it's certainly not the boomers of the world that made that trend popular. So I, I think it's kind of a cool new directions that, you know, songs that you just kind of have a nostalgic feel to can become one of those popular sports songs if played in the right setting. And Mr. Brightside's a great, if you go listen to them singing it at the big 10 title game, cause they had to cut it because of the kickoff that happened. They, they played it a little bit too late and they had to cut it and they sang a whole verse for like a minute. Like it was going on for a long time. And that's, that's when, you know, you have a really good sports song is when people can sing it as soon as they cut the sound off. Uh, And that'll lead me to my last pick. And this is in the same vein. It's pump it up by Endor. It's strictly a Michigan thing. And it actually did just start this year. Uh, It, I noticed it early on in the season because I have season tickets. We have season tickets to games. I'm at the games. Anytime that Michigan would score the first touchdown of the game at Michigan stadium, they would play this song 
and the sideline would just go bonkers. Every player was jumping up and down. Some of them would grab like the chairs, the foldable chairs, and just start putting them in the air, going crazy. And uh, it all, like, I think the fan base just kind of noticed it. We were watching it the entire time, and it all came to a head in that Ohio State game because every time we scored a touchdown and every time Hassan Haskins scored a touchdown, they played that song. And everyone went nuts. Everyone was jumping up and down. Everyone was going crazy. And I'll retweet it. I, I tweeted it out during the game. It's just, I captioned it just pure joy, the video. If you look at each individual person, it's right after the final touchdown that Hassan Haskins. It is just pure joy. It is just the, the song is playing and people really cannot control the joy that they're feeling because we knew we had just beaten Ohio State so I think the fact that that song was playing at the time just kind of gave it an extra special meaning to me I'll go back and watch that video every once in a while if I'm like having a bad day I'm like I'm gonna go back and watch that when I was listening to pump it up at Michigan Stadium right after we beat Ohio State and I'm telling the Ohio State fans to get out of here to get lost because we just beat Ohio State and that's it's gonna live on I think that's going to be like Mr. Brightside, part of Michigan's identity uh, going forward. And I'm, I'm happy for it because I think both of those songs are going to be really good and really cool. So uh, those are my last two picks. I'll throw it to you for your final pick. So I have two I want to go with. I like both of your picks, by the way. I like them both quite a bit. Mr. Brightside is just one of my favorite songs, period. Like at the moment, I like it just every time it comes, I'm like, I feel like I'm in college again, hearing it, and it just makes me happy. Um, for my last pick, I'm between two. And I'm going to go with the one that I think will make me win and not the one I want to go with. I'm going to go with Inter Sandman by Metallica. And obviously that comes from Virginia Tech. It also comes from Mariano Rivera with the Yankees. But I'm my thinking goes to Virginia Tech football. And the video from last August, their first home game with fans back after the COVID season, I think they were playing North Carolina when North Carolina was so hyped up. Sam Howe, Mac Brown, they're supposed to be so good. And that place was sold out. It was like a Friday afternoon, I think. And like there was the sun was shining and there's just a ton of Hokies and they're just going crazy. The, I think the ACC network tweeted it out and it's just bananas. How loud those people get for inner Sandman. Like I think inner Sandman rocks. Don't get me wrong. I think that's an awesome song, but just to see like how crazy they go as soon as they hear that first rift, from Metallica, it's like, yeah, this is sick. The, it like, gets your blood boiling. You want to, you just like want to get hyped up for a football game. I can't imagine being a player, just all the energy going through your veins. Like you're just ready to go hit somebody. And the same effect with Mariano Rivera. You heard Inner Sandman. I mean, Mariano Rivera was the Sandman. Yankee Stadium, you knew it was over. You're, he was going to put you to sleep. So that's just, I, I think Inner Sandman is a song that. Obviously, Metallica, it's not like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a band that's a sports-connected band. I don't think anyone thinks that. But Inner Sandman is a song that is very, very much linked with sports. And it's created a great legacy, not only with Virginia Tech, but obviously Mariano Rivera and the Yankees. Uh, so, yeah, that I'll go Inner Sandman, Rocky Top. Um, what was that third one with Alan Parsons' project? What did I pick? I forgot Kobe Bryant. How did I forget Kobe? Uh, Kobe Allen Parsons Project, Rocky Top, and Inner Sandman. Uh, did you have any alternates? Absolutely, I had a bunch of alternates written down. Uh, Don't stop believing. My first alternate, and it's it's a jam everywhere, but it's a good a good stadium jam anywhere. It's especially good when you're in Michigan because they mute it for the born and raised in South Detroit, and 
it's 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 really extra cool in Michigan when it happens. So uh, I I always tell people go to a game in Michigan because it's a different it's a different feeling. The fans have their own like different stuff going on. But uh, hail to the victors! I had that written down. I don't think that'll help me as much as the other ones. But uh, thunderstruck. Uh, I think that's an obvious one center field. I think that's another one in the same vein that came up of like with basketball, but I, I think basketball is a little bit better. Uh, I have the tiger is a really good one. I think uh, jump around uh, a little less biased for me, but also biased because Michigan did steal it this year. And that was a lot of fun. So uh, I did have that written down. Lose yourself by Eminem is a good one. And then one shining moment, obviously the inspiration for it. I, I didn't want to be too on the nose with it. Uh, any alternates that you didn't get to? Oh, I had a bunch. Uh, the one I was talking about with my last pick was Power by Kanye West. Because I love that song. And I, I think it's an awesome song. But I don't. Beyond one video in my head, I don't know how often it's used. There's a video from Texas A&M where they used it before they ran out before a game, and the whole crowd's doing the, oh, hey, oh. And I'm like, whoa, this is sick. That's a stadium with 110,000 people, and they're doing power. Like, I, I loved it. And obviously, me, like, growing up listening to that, I'm like, this is sick. I I, I was all about it. I'm a big fan of that. But I, I don't think it has a, as much of a reach as it, uh, Inner Sandman. Uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Grove Street Party is awesome at Kroger Field in Lexington, Kentucky. But I was not going to put it on there. No shot I was going to do that. Not giving Kentucky credit. But Grove Street Party, was. It, they do a great job with that. Uh, swag surfing is awesome. Uh, Mr. Brightside was on my list. Friends in low places. Oh, my God. At Neyland Stadium, they've started to play friends in low places between the third and fourth quarter, and it's like the coolest thing ever because all those rednecks put their arms around each other and sway back and forth, and they know every single word, and it's incredible. I absolutely love it. Uh, Mo Bamba, uh, Sandstorm. I won't back down by Tom Petty again. It was just like one singular thing I could think of. It was at Florida right after he passed away and the whole stadium sang it. Um, Joker and the thief. All I do is win. And then obviously one shining moment. And then one more I thought of while we were talking, this goes to pro wrestling, which is, we don't usually talk about that, but something I I've kind of got dabbled in a little more recently. I heard WrestleMania was coming around, kind of looked at the Twitter sphere. Uh, Chris Jericho, someone I grew up on big time in wrestling. He's still wrestling, and he's got a band named Fozzie. And his band Fozzie plays his walkout song that he uses now called Judas. And let me tell you, if you've never seen Chris Jericho walk out to Judas, it is one of the coolest things ever. The whole crowd just serenades him. And, like, you can't hear, like, the music coming from the screen because the whole crowd's singing it. It's a, it's a really, really unique thing. Uh, they, they did one time where it was a cappella, the crowd singing it. Really, really special. It, really, really cool, like, just uh, environment that they created. Uh, but, yeah, I had to mention that because it was just – it's really, really cool. It, like, almost gives you goosebumps. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's all my alternates. I could probably think of a million more. All right, awesome stuff. Love the list. Be sure to vote on this stuff. Once the polls hit social media, we move on to the question and answer segment this week. Both of us coming with some biased questions. I'll go first. The selection for Hard Knocks came out, and finally the Detroit Lions are going to be featured. I think I saw some mixed reactions on Twitter, but I think if you're a football fan, you saw this Lions team last season. You saw Dan Campbell. You saw how exciting he is as a coach. You know this is going to be one of the most fun seasons of Hard Knocks yet. So maybe I'm biased. But 
I'll throw it to Dylan. Are the Lions the most interesting selection for hard knocks of all time? So, I don't know. That That's literally what I wrote. Because obviously I'm not as in tune with the Lions as you are. I, I know the Dan Campbell stuff. I know Jared Goff. Jamal Williams, his little viral moments. Like, I know about that. And that, that gets you fired up. Like, I remember when the Rams were on hard knocks. That's Jared Goff. This is going to be Jared Goff on hard knocks again. This is nothing new from – obviously come from Hollywood. He's going to be all about it back on HBO. Um, when I started to think about it, I, I wasn't like – I didn't grow up on hard knocks because I didn't like, I wasn't like six years old, like got to turn on HBO. Like mom would have frowned on that. Uh, I didn't really get into hard knocks until like the first season that I was like anticipating was the Browns in 2018. And that I really loved that season. And it was because of all the mystery with a, just a bad franchise in Cleveland, all the dysfunction and Baker Mayfield coming in, who's such a big personality. And I really, really enjoyed that season. Uh, the next year had Oakland, the last season in Oakland, obviously a huge character in uh, John Gruden. And you throw in guys like Carl Nassib, was, who was a huge star on there. Uh, Jonathan Abrams, the rookie from Mississippi State at the time. Now he's just a three-year veteran, I guess, in the league, uh, who are just huge personalities that season with Oakland and their final season in Oakland, which was really cool. Um, but I think – I don't know if I would say the most interesting. I think it would be intriguing. I think it's very much in the veins of how the Browns were in 2018, where it's like, I want to see how they run things because we kind of, we get glimpses into the teams that are kind of better. Like we, we kind of understand how the Patriots are run. We kind of understand like what the Rams are doing. We kind of understand all those things, but like the lions, it's like, what is, what's Dan Campbell doing at practice? What's he doing at training camp? Uh, what is, what's going through Jared Goff's mind? Like this is Jared Goff's a guy that's gone to multiple NFC championships, gone to the Super Bowl, and now he's going into his second year in Detroit, and there's no guarantee he's going to be the starter. And that could really change in the next month, which we're a month away from the NFL draft, in case you didn't know, uh, less than a month away if, uh, when you're listening. Uh, so who knows in the next month what will happen with Jared Goff's uh, job security. There's a lot of things going on. Obviously, like most of the spots on that team are open. I imagine anyways, like there's very few spots that are like solidified. Like Panay Suell doesn't have to worry about getting cut. TJ Hawkinson doesn't have to worry. DeAndre Swift, but beyond that, like there's a few guys on defense. Like, I, I mean, I obviously I, I'm not super knowledgeable about the Lions, but I think it's, I think it is the mystery that makes it really interesting because it's, the Lions don't have these big names. Like even with the Browns in 2018, you had Baker, which – I love Jared Goff. Baker was, as a rookie, was a bigger star than Jared Goff. Um, I think Dan Campbell is a lot more uh, of a character than Hugh Jackson was. I think that makes, uh, I think Dan Campbell gets the advantage there. Um, but the Browns, they had guys like Miles Garrett. And the, the Lions don't have a Miles Garrett at this point, but they might. <laughs> they might by then. Uh, who knows? They might. Who knows? There's just there's so many things that can happen. I, I think it makes it really, really interesting from someone that has literally no dog in the fight with the Lions. I'm like, whatever. Like, I, the What the Lions do doesn't affect me. So I, as a fan, I'll definitely tune in. That's what I do now. Uh, as a as a grown person with HBO, I, I always tune in uh, Hard Knocks. But, yeah, I, I think it's definitely more interesting than uh, – the Cowboys last season and even the LA one with COVID I, that season wasn't good at all. I, I think it's going to get back to like Oakland was and then Cleveland in 2018, which was an awesome season. Yeah. So I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. I obviously think they're the most interesting choice. Now 
a lot of remembering these seasons ends up being a lot on like how good these teams are. I think that that Jets team that ended up going 11 and five the year after they were on hard knocks, everyone remembers that Jets team because they were so publicized that year. And then they were always talking about that hard knocks season. We all remember it. So it's like, it's, it's tough to say now, like the lions could be really bad again. We could all forget about this lions team at the end. But I think when you look at what the lions were last year, they were, a few close games and miracles away from being a somewhat respectable team. Then you take a team, a guy like coach or a guy like Dan Campbell, who is just young, still learning to be a head coach. So he's going to give you the interesting bit from that, but is also that football guy that is so popular nowadays. And we're trying to find people that just fit that role. And Dan Campbell was just like living that his entire life without us knowing who he was. And I think an in-depth look at what that is, is going to be so much fun. I think you're right. The only thing they're missing is like that charismatic or even like a guy that like is a sideshow that makes the HBO style work. Like Jared Goff is not that exciting. Like you said, Jamal Williams is funny, but he's not that kind of interesting. He'll be like goofy for a couple minutes, but that's about it. So I don't know if Dan Campbell will be enough to take that over. But like you said, there's a lot of time. They're going to be drafting someone in the top two. Uh, I know Aiden Hutchinson's a a goofy guy, so I would love to see if he ended up on the Lions, uh, that he he could make that really interesting. They could be trading that pick. They could be moving up to the first pick. I think that also makes it really interesting. I think from the Lions fan perspective, I think we all are going at least from what I expect, I think we're all going to finally see why the Lions organization is so bad. Like you said, like the Browns was so interesting because the Browns were so bad. The Lions are right there. And I think almost to a fault because like the Browns are known as the bad team. The Lions are just as bad, just kind of laughably bad. They're always so bad. I want to know like what it, what it is, like how far away they are from another organization. And I think it's going to be pretty, pretty clear, especially with a guy like Dan Campbell, who hasn't been in the NFL that long. He's not going to have a lot to be working with. This organization is comically run at times. So I think even that stuff is going to be like, look at the lions, look at this is, we're finally going to understand why they're so bad. And maybe, maybe hopefully being, embarrassed on a national stage like that will finally force some like changes there they're like oh okay we are this bad this is this bad we're not just being made fun this is truly this bad i think that's actually going to happen and i think that's what makes it so interesting i think it's going to be really fun from that perspective so uh, i'm really looking forward to it obviously keeping our eyes on that and the lions being there it's going to be a lot of fun for us so uh on to your question okay so switching lanes my question could relate to the Lions. I mean, you never know. Uh, I'm not going to switch lanes completely, but I, we, you never know what next season might hold. Um, this has been a topic that's been really hot on social media in the past, like, two weeks or so. And uh, it's about the Grizzlies and when it really comes down to it. John Morant's missed 21 games this year. And without John Morant, the Grizzlies are 19-2. and two. And even last night, Wednesday night, uh, they beat the Spurs – to win the Southwest division for the first time in franchise history and lock up the two seed, their highest seeding in franchise history. They're doing big things. They have an over 90% win percentage. And like the numbers map out. We're like they're the best team in NBA history without jaw. Like it's insane things they're doing. Um, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. 
And like, I even sat down, I wrote an article on tvsportsmag.com and I just looked at everything. I was like, are the Grizzlies actually better without Ja? I don't think they are. But what I want to ask is, can a team, not just the Grizzlies, literally any team, be better without their star? I'll throw it to you. So my answer is kind of a cop-out, kind of like yours was, but it is yes and no. But I promise I do have like a more definitive answer at the end of this. But sometimes, especially in basketball, I think a star player can become someone that's so good that everyone on the team relies on them way too much. And it ends up killing the structure of what that, that team looks like, especially on the offensive end of the ball. And I think that's true, especially when you have a ball dominant point guard like Ja is. I think a lot of the times teams will end up looking to a guy like that to control the entire offense. And then they keep doing it a little bit more. And then they control, like at some point they're doing 50% of what the offense is doing. And as soon as that star player gets hurt, it triggers something in every individual player to up their game. And more importantly, they go back to the system because they don't have that star player to blow up the system when they can't get things done. So I think in those situations, it ends up making those teams better a lot of the times because they're playing back to their brand of basketball uh, and they know they have to get it done without their star player. On the flip side, especially in the NBA, you need a star player on your roster to win a playoff series, uh, especially with the roster that the Grizzlies have. I do not see them competing with a team like Phoenix or Golden State in a seven-game series without Ja on their team. There's just no chance. They're not going to be able to score as much as a Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul-led team will. So, And in the long run, I think that's really all that matters is what gets done in the postseason. There hasn't been a team without a star player to win a championship since the 04 Pistons. It's really been that long. And I really don't think that's an anomaly. I don't think we're ever going to see another team like that. You're not going to have, you know, just role players playing in the system. You need a guy that when everything's broken down, that he can go get his own shot. And Ja is maybe one of the best in the NBA at doing that right now. So I think when it comes down to it, when you want to win big games, not just regular season games, like regular season games, you can win. The Pistons have won a few regular season games. When it comes down to playoff series, you need a star player on your roster. So I'm going to say no. Like, yes, and it is a yes and no. You can be better for a stretch, but when it comes down to it, no, you're not better without your star player on the roster. So I agree with you. I think it's no in the NBA because the NBA is set up to where the best team's going to win and the best team is going to have a star player. That's just how it is. But I think in other sports, and the thing that I and like, I have an example. I went to football. The Philadelphia Eagles in 2018 lost an MVP, Carson Wentz, and they put in Nick Foles and won the Super Bowl. They were able to do that. Obviously, the Eagles were super good. They were awesome all year long. But they were able to go from their MVP to going into a backup quarterback and didn't miss a beat. They were able to beat the Patriots, who were incredible. And uh, I think that – is a huge difference between football and basketball because the, I just don't think that's possible. I like I think Tyus Jones is fantastic, and I think Tyus Jones is going to get paid a lot of money this offseason, and he deserves it because Tyus Jones should be a starting point guard in the NBA. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's a huge reason why the Grizzlies haven't missed a beat without Ja. Uh, he's going to lead the league for the third straight season in a row for assist-to-turnover ratio. That's insane. He also holds the record for that. And he's a guy coming off the bench and has always come off the bench. Tyson Jones, he's 
he's not a modern point guard because he's not this super freak athlete that can play lockdown defense and sh- uh, well no he can shoot he, he's added a jump shot he's he's evolving his game while being this just insane playmaker uh so he's gonna get paid this season probably by someone like the knicks which sucks for Tyus because it'll be new york and nothing will go right but um he's a guy that um watching grizzlies games and i know a lot of people don't get to watch a ton of grizzlies games because they don't get a ton of national exposure but when jaws off the court tyus he still runs the offense like perfectly and um in the nba you get situations where uh when you lose jaw and it's tyus and then who's behind tyus where as in the nfl it's okay carson wentz is down you got Nick Foles. We don't have to worry about a second string quarterback coming in to back up Nick Foles unless he gets hurt. Um, so that's that's something you don't really have to worry about. That's the difference there. And then something that I wanted to bring up was the Braves last year in baseball. Because Ronald Acuna went down, but you also have Freddie Freeman. So that's a huge I mean, there's I think there's I don't know. Uh, in baseball, baseball is a very fickle sport because guys can get hot. And obviously they have Freddie Freeman, who's a superstar. But I would say Acuna was their guy. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Um, and I think the Braves just did a great job of picking up guys that could get the production needed. And we talked about this a lot during their run where they had Soler and Peterson, whoever to get things done without Acuna out there. And I think that was huge. Um, but, and I think that's the difference between baseball, football, and basketball. There's things you can do to manipulate in baseball and football that just basketball, like we've said so many times, you have to have a star. And without a star, it's just, I don't know, it's almost impossible now uh, in the modern age. Yeah, I think that is the key. I think it is really key on what sport you're looking at because I think football, to an extent, you can, and it depends on the roster more on, like, who it is like, like you said, the Eagles were a very good team with or without Carson Wentz. And I think, uh, I know he got hurt. It's been a, it's been a change in his career, but I think we've seen that Carson Wentz maybe wasn't as good as we thought he was in that MVP season. So uh, maybe Nick Foles wasn't that big of a step down. I don't know. Carson <laughs> Wentz was pretty good since that knee injury. He has not been the same. I, I know he hasn't been the same, but I don't know when you see the Eagles go on to win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and we, I mean, no one's given a Nick Foles a chance since then you kind of go, okay, maybe the Eagles were really just really, really good outside of the quarterback position that year. Um, so that's fair, uh, but it, it on, I think baseball is on the other end of the spectrum where you can physically lose your best player and it doesn't hurt you because you've got eight other guys that have to step up regardless. So uh, it, it, it depends on the sport. It depends on the guy a lot of times, but I think for the most part, and especially in basketball, you've got to have that star player on the, on your roster to make it happen. All right. We'll move on to uh, the second half of our baseball projections. We did the AL last week. It's time to get into the National League. Dylan's side of the league. Uh, I'll throw it right to him. Teams you're looking to win the divisions and players you're looking out for this year. So I'm going to start with the NL Central. Surprise, surprise. It's the St. Louis Cardinals. And I'm sorry if you expected me to say like the Milwaukee Brewers. It wasn't going to happen. This Cardinals team, it's last year was a lot of fun. This is a team of destiny. This is the last dance team. We've got Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and Albert Pujols are all going to go out together as a trio. And I know they might not give out the best production in the world, those three, as they're becoming geriatric, 
but it doesn't matter. They're going to have that Cardinal devil magic by the time September rolls around. And you throw in the fact that they have one of the best third basemen in baseball and Nolan Arenado. You've got one of the best first basemen, Paul Goldschmidt. You have one of the greatest first basemen of all time sitting on the bench now with Pujols. I mean, this is a team that if they put everything together like they did at the end of last season, where you get the young bats of Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill going alongside Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, Tommy Edmond, if he becomes that consistent leadoff man, man, this Cardinals team could be really good. They looked really, really good down the stretch. They just have to do that throughout a whole season uh, with Mike Schilt being out and new management. I really think the Cardinals are in position to be like just on brand St. Louis Cardinal baseball. And I'm really, really excited to see it. Um, I I think it could be a really, really special year in St. Louis Uh, in the East. I think there's some really, really intriguing teams in the East. Obviously, the defending champion Atlanta Braves are so interesting with what they're going to do with Freddie Freeman out. Uh, The New York Mets, with how much money they've spent, Steve Cohen has gone all in on them just being awesome. I'm not going to talk about them, though. I'm going with the Philadelphia Phillies. I really, really like the Phillies. And this could age poorly because the Phillies might suck. Um, but that offense, man, that offense is incredible. They added to an already really good offense. They added Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to point this out. My notes, uh, auto-corrected Schwarber to Schwarzenegger. And <laughs> I would have laughed if I kept going, so I had to point that out. It said Kyle Schwarzenegger. Kyle Schwarber signed with the Phillies alongside Nick Castellanos. Uh, that joins an offense, a lineup that features Bryce Harper, uh, JT Realmuto, Reese Hoskin, uh, Gene Segura, and then you got guys like uh, Alec Baum and Didi uh, Gregorius. And it's like they're just going to score a million runs. Like, who cares what their starting pitching does? Who cares how many errors they have? If you win 23 to 9, you still win. Like, who cares? They're just going to put up a lot of runs. They're going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, I can only imagine the Castellanos-Harper just duo is going to just be incredible. And just, like, hide the kids when Castellanos comes up to bat because that's just, my goodness, he's going to – I think he's just going to thrive in Philadelphia. He just seems like a guy with the Philadelphia crowd, they're just going to love him. I I think that's a match made in heaven, especially with this this specific Phillies team with how good they are on offense. I I think Castellanos is going to really thrive. He had a really good year in Cincinnati. I think it's going to keep going. Um, Then the West, San Francisco. I think it's the boring answer, um, but L.A., I'm not going to pick them just based solely off the fact that they're like the new Yankees where it's like they're just buying everyone and that's no fun. They won 107 games last year, and I think they got better. I really do. I think adding Carlos Rondon is huge. That's a really good pitcher. Um, and he just gets added to a rotation that's good. Obviously, uh, Buster Posey retired, but it's the Giants. They're always good. They're going to slide someone, whether it's Joey Bart or whoever they want to slide in there. It, it's going to be solid. I, I I think the Giants are going to be really good again. That division's a three-team race. Unfortunately, the Padres are going to get uh, staggered there because Tatis is going to be out for three months. But I think the Giants – are going to own the West again. I, I really do. I think they they just have a good thing going, I think. And uh, I, we talked about it a lot last year, how it was weird that they won that many games. They're just, they're just a good baseball team. I think, uh, I think they showed it throughout last season. Like they're going to do it again this year. I, I think they're very comparable to like the Rays where they just win a lot of baseball games. They're, they're just a really good franchise. And they, I think they're just going to do it again. So yeah, I got the giants. I got the Phillies in the East and then, the St. Louis Cardinals in the central, just because I had to, 
can't pick anybody but the Cardinals in the Central. Uh, I'll throw it to you. Who, what are the teams you're watching for in the NL and the players? So uh, I, I went in the same order that you did. I don't think – I think we picked all different teams, though, uh, if I'm being honest. I think we picked all different teams in the division. So it'll be interesting to watch the NL this year. In the Central – I am going with the easy pick. I'm going with the Brewers. I, I do think they're the, the team to beat in the Central. I know I'll probably be feeling the heat for this in September when the Cardinals win their 30th straight game and the Brewers have. But the Brewers are, are so good. I mean, they just have everything that you would want from a team. They've got Burns. They've got Hayter. They've got Williams. I mean, that pitching staff is maybe one of the most elite that I've seen in my time watching baseball. And then that three, four, five of Yelich, McCutcheon, and Telez, that is going to be so much fun when they get going. Uh, and then you, they add Hunter Renfro this year. And I, I watched probably 10 Red Sox games last year between them playing the Rays and the Yankees. I think I saw him throw out 10 people. He is the best arm I've ever seen for a right fielder. So I, I think they have so many fun pieces to the Brewers team. I think they'll end up getting it done. And I, I root for Christian Yelich. He had a bad season last year. I think he'll bounce back this year, and I think that just makes the Brewers even better. Uh, in the East, I think the Mets, not only with the money that they've spent, but the money that they probably will spend in the future. I think they have, like, two big trades coming this off in, during the season at some point. And we're going to be looking at them and be like, oh, of course the Mets are really good because look at how much money they spend in this team. So I'm betting that not only will they make those upgrades, but Lindor is going to bounce back. I think this is a year of bounce back for stars like that. Lindor really struggled in his first year as a Met. I think he bounces back with a year under his belt in New York and they just spend a ton of money again at some point and make that team just a super team, just like anyone else. So I think the Mets will end up winning the East. I think that's an interesting division, though. Obviously, you've got the World Series winners. The Phillies are getting much better. Uh, it's going to be interesting there. In the West, I don't want to be too brash, but I do still think the Dodgers are the team to beat out there. I mean, I know the Giants had that magical season last year, but even with that, it took them till the last week of the year to beat the Dodgers off, and no one was surprised by that. And you look at them every time you look out to L.A., they're getting better. I mean, they had Freddie Freeman. That's just that's really all you have to say that team that they had last year added Freddie Freeman. That's really all, all they really need. They're going to be very, very good. Again, they're going to be the best team in the league. I think, I think the giants are going to have a really hard time repeating what they did. The Dodgers will not have any trouble doing what they did. They are just too good Uh, players to watch. Let's see how DeGrom bounces back from those injuries. I think he was on an MVP track last year, and I, I think hopefully he'll be just as good. Like I said, I'm hoping for a year of bounce back for, for guys like that. I'm rooting for DeGrom to, to be one of the best players in the league. O'Neal Cruz in Pittsburgh. Everyone has been telling you to watch Cabrian Hayes. You better watch out for O'Neal Cruz because that man is going to be if unbelievable. If he plays, six foot, they designated him. Six foot seven inches. It's, it's that's that's stupid. it's like oh that's stupid. we're gonna designate him now we don't want him to play in 2022 so he'll play in 2029 breaking news Pittsburgh you'll trade him in 2026 just let him play I I he, wherever he ends up because if he's not in Pittsburgh this year he'll have to you have to put him on a major league roster at some point six foot seven inches at shortstop. He is going to be one of the best power hitting shortstops ever, I think. And he is, I, I, if Pittsburgh isn't playing him this year, they're, they're absolutely, then this, then that is like the key. The CBA didn't work. They didn't do the right things to make sure that they didn't 
because that he is clearly one of the best players in that organization, maybe top five, maybe the best. He might be better than Cabrian Hayes now. He's very, very good. Moving on, I think Juan Soto is getting his MVP this year. I think book it. He probably should have won it last year, but the Nats were just so ab- abysmal that you probably, and Bryce Harper had a great year. I, I don't mind the pick, but I think Juan Soto might be the best hitter in the game right now. He is special to watch, uh, and you got to watch him next year. He's he's the, the this generation's version of Ted Williams. His stats are absolutely nuts. Uh, so yeah, what book it? Juan Soto's winning MVP this year uh, in the NL. So, all right. Love that stuff. Uh, It's time to move on to this week in sports. It's NFL news time again. The overtime rules, which we talked about not too long ago, are officially changed. And now, at least in the postseason, both teams will be getting a chance with the ball, a possession. And that's solving the big problem of the coin toss deciding postseason games uh dylan i just want to get your reaction what's your reaction to the overtime new, new overtime rules it in the seems NFL? like we're like giving the nfl a pat on the back for like something that should have already been happening like i'm very happy that they changed the rule it should have been changed i'm happy for josh allen that his complaints were heard i'm happy for all the people whose complaints were heard uh, including myself, because I complained every single time an NFL playoff game or NFL regular season game went into overtime. I'm glad it's changed for the uh, playoffs. I'm hoping that very soon it'll be changed in the regular season. Um, we've talked about it plenty on this show. College overtime, the, the OG college overtime, is the best system of football overtime in the world, and that's how all football overtime should be. Uh, the NFL can still do the kickoff and stuff, but let everybody have a chance to score. That I, that's how it should be. Sudden death is crazy, especially with the way the game is now, where it's so offensive minded. Uh, I'm excited that uh, a Super Bowl is not going to be one off a, or not necessarily one, but you get to punch your ticket to a Super Bowl off a coin flip. That that sucks. As we know off, off this show with out of the box drafts, coin flips are very fickle. So uh, I, I'm happy it's changed. I'm I'm really excited to see the first time we get to see it like in effect because overtime is not a shoe in, in a playoff game like that. Like we had a lot this year, but that's not, uh, that's not like a guaranteed. It's not like normal to have a bunch of overtime playing playoff games. So I'm excited to see when we actually get to see it in effect and what kind of pressure it puts on the players. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's very, very good. Uh, another step in the right direction for the no fun league. Yeah, and you said it right there, the no fun league. I know that they they doubled down on the taunting penalties of last year. I think they said only like six of them were called incorrectly, which is just one of the more ridiculous things. But yeah, I think you're exactly right. We're giving them a bit too much credit for something we've I think I've been talking about changing the overtime rules in the NFL since I started watching the NFL. I mean, like because I started watching college football really in more in depth. I, I obviously watched all football when I was young, but when I really started getting into football, I got into college football first. And when I went to the NFL, it's like, what do you mean? It's sudden death. That's, that's like the dumb rule in video games. If it, if it ends up being sudden death, you're like, Oh, that's stupid because there's a real unfair advantage there to whoever gets the ball. And uh, that it, it makes no sense to me. And I really hope that this rule change, even though they only did it for the postseason, like the NFL has to drag it out and like, hold on to their laurels on that regard. But I really hope it's a step for all leagues to just abandon the sentimental things that are holding them back. Like the MLB did with the designated hitter in the NA and the NL. It's like that is not helping your league whatsoever by having 
these dumb rules that no one wants. That's not, it's just holding you back and just saying it won't be the same anymore because you have a nostalgic feel for these dumb rules is not good enough anymore. If it's seriously going to hold back the sport, we've got to change these rules. And I think at least it's a step in the right direction. I hope now once they see, like you said, once we see it happen in the playoffs and we actually see like, Oh, this makes things way more exciting. Now we're not just waiting on a coin toss to see who gets the ball first. That will make it. And the NFL will have to say, all right, this is, this is true. And maybe we'll get better, like different rules in, in other regards. Maybe, I've been wanting to see the uh, the onside kick change, uh, the onside kick rules change for a while because it's a very dangerous play. Just having 10, 11 guys sprint at each other from two places trying to get a ball. I would love to see like a like a I, I, I saw a proposal of like just have a fourth and 15 and the team just can choose to either punt it away or go for it because. Uh, you have like a it's it's a much better chance of getting a fourth and 15 than it is an onside kick I don't know I'd like to see things like that where it's like we can't we're not just going to keep bashing our heads into a wall because we think it's right because we've always done it that way let's change some of these things to make the game better because I think baseball seeing it firsthand if you don't change you're going to get run out of the water and they're they're trying to do things now to to make it better uh I don't know uh, in some regards, it's good, but then in the other regards, like like I said, they they're doubling down on taunting. They think that that's the right way to go. So you never know with the NFL if they're they might be one step forward, two steps back. But at least they made a step forward, I guess. Give them a pat on the back for that. But I don't want to give them too much credit. Uh, all right, finally, it's time for our final four picks. Our updated picks were blown up immediately before they even got to drop our episode last week. So uh, hopefully these will not be blown up as terribly as last time. Uh, we're going to start with the women's final four. We haven't been picking the tournament, but it's final four time. We, we thought we would uh, get the women's picks out there. So I'll throw it to Dylan first. Who do you like in the women's final four? So in the first matchup, Louisville versus South Carolina, I, this is a no-brainer for me as someone from the state of Kentucky. I got to go with Louisville. I was in Louisville this past weekend, and watching that community, well, that city, just bond together watching Lady Cardinal basketball. And they were playing Tennessee last Saturday, and obviously I was rooting for the Lady Vols. But watching them just be behind that team, Louisville's a city that's very proud, and they've been through a lot. But they're, they're very proud to be Louisvillians or whatever they say. I don't know. From the Lou. And um, – I, it was really cool to see that South Carolina is a gauntlet. They are so, 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 so good. They've been so good for so long, but I can't pick against the home state. I can't, can't pick against Louisville. I, I'm going to pick the Cardinals to advance to the national championship. And then UConn Stanford. Oh my goodness. What a heavyweight fight. Uh, Tara Vanderveer against Gino, just a coaching uh, just a clinic between those two. They're both hall of famers. Stanford obviously won the national championship last year. Uh, I got to cover that game and, I was amazed by Stanford uh, in that national championship against Arizona, all Pac-12 national championship. Uh, UConn didn't make it there last year, which is weird because UConn's been so dominant. Uh, I think Paige Beepers and Gino are going to push their tickets to the national championship. I think Paige has become such a star just in the world of basketball. Uh, I think this is her time just to take it to the next level. I think it's going to be Paige and UConn against Louisville in the national championship. I think another uh, – Another page to the story of Paige Bukers uh, gets added. And I, I think Gino wins another one. I think UConn cuts down the nets and they're going to win their 
a millionth national title or whatever is it this time. It's it's hard to pick against UConn. They're they're the dynasty. They're they're the Lakers. They're the they're the Duke of women's college basketball at this point. So I, I think I think Paige, uh, Bukers, and Gino and UConn. I think that's the safe money, and that's what I'm going to go with in, uh, the women's Final Four. Uh, who do you have making it out of the women's Final Four? We are on the same exact wavelength for the women's. Uh, Louisville is on another level right now. I watched them beat up a really good Michigan team uh, to to make it to the final four. They're cruising right now. I think, like you said, South Carolina is really good, but Louisville is just on another level. I think they're the team to beat right now. So I think they cruise through South Carolina. They go to the championship game. And like you said, UConn's gotten their swagger back this this postseason. There's a there's a different feel to that UConn Huskies team now. Uh, so I'm going with UConn over Stanford. And I think in the final four, men or women's, it comes down to who has the best player a lot of the times. Paige Beckers is the best player in w, in women's basketball, really. I mean, you could go I, – I don't want to – there's a lot of good girls in the WNBA, so I don't want to give them to – but Paige Beckers is the star of women's basketball right now. So I'm picking UConn, I'm picking Gino, and I think – they get it done again, and uh, they get their swagger back completely uh, and taking down a really good Louisville team. And I think that's going to somewhat be overlooked. Louisville's really, really good, but UConn will end up getting it done in the end. Uh, all right, on to the men's. What do you think's going down there? I'm so excited for this. I'm excited for the women's. I'm excited for the men's. There's one game in particular. It's like it's like the biggest game of all time. Duke, North Carolina in the Final Four. Are you kidding me? It, it could be Coach K's last game. Uh, we've been riding with North Carolina for a while now. I'm going to keep riding with the Tar Heels. Man, them putting Coach K to rest in New Orleans in the Final Four, the first ever meeting between the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils in the Final Four. Man, I'm all about it. Hubert Davis, Armando Baycott, Leaky Black, Caleb Love. Those boys have been on another level in the tournament. I mean, for the past two months, they've just been playing out of this world. Um, they did it to Coach K, his last game in Cameron Indoor. They're going to they're gonna do it. I think North Carolina is going to beat Duke and advance to the national championship as an eight seed. They're going to have the ultimate bragging rights in that rivalry for the end of time. I, I think the Tar Heels are going to get it done. Unfortunately, for the other side, Kansas-Nova, I don't think it's going to be a very good game uh, with Justin Moore going down. I, I think that really, really hurts Nova's shot because Kansas is really good. Kansas has somehow gone under the radar uh Kansas with Remy Martin and Christian Brown David McCormick Ochai Abaji who's been amazing for so long that team is a machine and I think they're gonna they're not gonna steamroll Nova because Nova's too good for that but Nova's gonna be they're they're just hurt and and that's gonna that's gonna kill them against a really good really really good Kansas team so national championship Kansas North Carolina blue bloods of all blue bloods national championship I really want to go with North Carolina. I really, really do. I'm going with Kansas. I, I've watched Kansas quite a bit this year, and they're just – they're so good. They're, they're, they're hard to deny. I think something that North Carolina's had an advantage over most teams through this run is Armando Baycott. I think he's had such an advantage over so many teams, and that's going to continue against Duke. Kansas, they're going to have an evener with uh, – David McCormick, he's so good inside. He goes really overlooked. And I think Kansas, they just win the battles at most positions. And I think Bill Seth's going to win a national championship over North Carolina. All right. So I'm going to start with Nova and Kansas. And I know that Nova is hurt, but I watched that Nova team lock up Michigan. And I watched that Nova team lock up Houston. And I think 
even with how putrid Nova's offense has been, they grinded through that sweet 16 and elite eight and got to the final four. I think if their offense is just marginally better against Kansas, they can beat that Kansas team. Their defense plays very, very solid defense. And when you have a team that plays that kind of defense, it really just takes like your offense clicking for one game. And that's when you can beat a team like Kansas. And I said it last week, I know Kansas is still alive and they kind of made me eat my words on this, but I always, I, Kansas has been the team that chokes in my, in, in my lifetime. I haven't seen other than that, the Mario Chalmers game, Kansas has been the choke artist of, of the blue bloods in college basketball. So uh, I think Nova cements themselves as the better blue blood of the two and goes and beats Kansas on to North Carolina and Duke. I refuse to make this mistake twice. The farewell tour is officially over. This is a Tar Heels podcast through and through. North Carolina beats Duke again. And in the title game, they're going on to beat Nova as well. I think this has the same feel of that UConn team when they were like a seven seed back in the day. Shabazz Napier was leading them. And it's like, you know, why was UConn kind of looked so poorly on coming into the tournament? It doesn't really make sense. And North Carolina is the same way. It doesn't really make sense. And once they beat Duke, everyone was like, okay, yeah, this team is pretty good. I think they're just as good as a, as a team like Duke right now. I think they've proven themselves as, hey, they should have been one of the top, at least a top four seed, I think, in one of these regions because they were that good. I know the ACC was really bad and they didn't have a lot of wins in their name, but they're still a really good team. And if you're going to look at Duke the way that you look at Duke, then you should look at North Carolina the same way. North Carolina's beaten Duke. They're beating Nova in the championship game. It's Tar Dylan Dylan is a Tar Heels podcast, baby. Let's go. All right. Uh, that's going to do it from us here at the Dylan Dylan Show. Dylan, any final thoughts before we get going? I'm just excited to watch our Tar Heels this weekend. I think it's going to be a really fun weekend of just blue blood basketball between the women's Final Four and the men's Final Four. It's just blue bloods everywhere. It's just a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. Um, I, I text you. There's so much going on this weekend that I almost got overlooked. WrestleMania is this weekend, which is wild. I It's on Peacock now. So, like, I have Peacock, so I'm going to check it out. I remember as a kid, like, I was very, like, I was just enamored by wrestling. I thought it was so cool. I am for sure going to check it out. I got Peacock. Watch it for free. I have the Final Four on one TV. I have WrestleMania up. It's going to be a blast. I, I There's so much going on. Uh, basketball, sadly, we'll have a national champion on Monday and college basketball will be over. But, hey, that's okay. Baseball is back next Thursday. By the time you're listening to the next episode, baseball will be back, and the NBA playoffs will be right around the corner. Lots of fun stuff coming up. Uh, and hey, go Tar Heels. I like that WrestleMania is on Peacock because like you said, I have Peacock and can I can tune into it now. There is I talked I talked kind of poorly on nostalgia for a little bit in sports. I will always have nostalgia for the buying a pay-per-view of WrestleMania. And especially when I was a kid, because my my bedtime was like before WrestleMania was over. So we would record it on like a VHS tape. And then me and my brother would watch it the next day because that's, we had the pay-per-view, but we had to go to sleep and let it record. So then we could watch it. Those are like some of the best memories of my childhood. So uh, I will tune into WrestleMania just because of that nostalgia that I have for it. So uh, that's going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan show. Here's where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan and Dylan show on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find Tunnel Vision Sports at 
on Instagram at tunnelvision sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV sports on Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnelvision sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you all next time. See you later. <laughs>